Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Okay, it's time for the Word. Y'all grab your, uh, grab your Bibles or your Bible apps and turn with me two places. We're going to actually turn there and stay there today. Can you believe it? Two places. The last chapter of Matthew and the last chapter of Mark. Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Matthew 28 and Mark 16. Matthew 28, start in verse 18. We'll read to the end of the chapter. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, because I have all authority, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given you. And you can be sure of this, this promise of Jesus, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Mark chapter 16 and verse 15 says it differently, maybe a little more succinctly. Jesus told them, go into all the world, preach the good news, the gospel to everyone. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, for your power. And Lord, we thank you that you've invited us to be a part of your kingdom. Lord, I pray that today we would not only hear and understand what your word says, but God, we'd have the courage, the strength to put it into practice. Not just hearers, but doers of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, there is nothing I enjoy more than taking a passage of Scripture or taking a topic and unpacking what the Word says with a group of people. It's just Every spiritual gift test that I've ever taken uh, has confirmed to me that teaching is what God has built me to do. That's just, that is my deal. I feel the most alive when I'm teaching. But as the pastor of this church, it's, it's my responsibility not just to teach you things as individuals, but also I'm responsible for leading us as a group to where it is to the best of my ability to discern what God's will and plan is for us as a group. And so this message today is not so much for the purpose of teaching as it is maybe for reminding. It is a pastoral leadership kind of message. And though I'm sure that there are uh, contexts in which this is applicable to everybody, let's don't make it too universal. I want you to take this personally today. This is a covenant life message and not just for the church, but for each of us who call this home. Okay. So as a teacher, the challenge is to take things that are complicated and make them simple so that we can understand them and apply them. My challenge today is making sure that I don't complicate what is already simple. So my message today is called Pressing Reset. Pressing Reset. Don't you wish you had a big old red button like that in your life for all of the things and ways that you need to press reset? 
So next week will mark the one-year anniversary. Um, I don't know if we should have a party or a funeral. Well, yeah, anyway, the one-year anniversary, one anniversary of the shutdown, right? The, the, what will forever be known in our generation as the shutdown. Uh, we went online only for 13 weeks starting the second week of March in 2020. And, and a lot has happened in this last year. Amen. Listen, y'all relax. I'm, there's nothing hot and heavy going to be. I'm not trying to uh, fool you by anything. Just relax. You can say amen to the obvious things, okay? And this is right over the head today, okay? So a lot of things have happened in the last year. We, we've, we've had to wrestle with issues of, of, uh, of sickness and death, politics, issues of racial injustice and inequality, economic uncertainty, uh, and a mental health crisis that continues to affect millions of people. We've had to rethink every ministry of this church and, and try to figure out how to navigate these things in light of what we hope are temporary physical restrictions and we hope are temporary shortages of volunteers. In the midst of all of that, we here at the church began an audacious partnership with the House of Cherith to, to accelerate the timeline of the Jericho Project and bring it to life much sooner than we thought it was going to happen. There seems to be no end in this age that we're living in. There seems to be no end to the distractions, to the noise, to the things that are vying for our attention. And so today, I just want to press the reset button. Or maybe in the more digital age, I, I'm restoring us to factory settings. Okay? We have to do that from time to time, right? Things, things get a little out of whack. It's really easy to get away from or to mess up or to complicate what the designer had in mind when he built it. We have a designer for the church. Jesus Christ is the master builder, and he built the church on what we sang about this morning, a sure foundation which is himself and his sacrifice for our sin. And we have to follow his lead as the builder and designer of this church and continue to build what he laid out for us. So the scripture we just read is called the Great Commission. It was among the last words of Jesus on this earth. He had already, at the time of the of the reading of or the time that this uh, account occurred, it, it, he had already been crucified, buried, dead, and resurrected from the grave. He spent an additional forty days post resurrection on the earth, and he told about five hundred of his disciples in this on this occasion that their job, their mission, as he was about to go away, was to go into all the world and make disciples of everyone they met. It's called the Great Commission because it really wasn't just for those 500 people. It was a very simple job description of every church and maybe more specifically for every believer in every church. Our job, our reason for existence, the reason that he left us on this earth after he saved us is so that we can go and make disciples, period. When Jesus told us in, in uh, Luke 6 that we should pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This was his plan for making that happen. It's the mission of this and every Bible-believing church in the world to win souls and make disciples. Nothing more and nothing less. 
No other organization, no other group of people on the earth can do or will do what we're called to do. We are God's plan A for spreading the good news of Jesus Christ on the earth, and there is no plan B. If we don't do this, nobody else will do it. It's our reason for existing. It's it's the thing that if we don't accomplish this, it won't matter what else we accomplish. Am I making sense today? Does this make sense? Because this is it. This is, this is what we have to do because this is what Jesus said to do. So every other thing that we do has to be in alignment with this mission. Now, let me be even more specific. Let me be even more clear. The mission of our church is not to have great preaching and great teaching. The mission of our church is not to create great music. The mission of our church is not to have two dozen or four dozen or six dozen uh, thriving small groups and ministries. The mission of our church is not to rescue women from sex trafficking. The mission of our church is not to bring racial reconciliation. The mission of our church is not to feed the hungry. The mission of our church is not to have an engaging kids ministry or student ministry. The mission of our church is to go and make disciples. Now, in accomplishing that mission, if if we realize that disciples of Jesus should worship, then we build a worship ministry that helps to create an atmosphere where we can get into his presence. If in accomplishing that mission, we realize that disciples of Jesus should love and care for people, and serve their needs, then we create opportunities to feed the hungry. Right? If we realize that disciples of Jesus should love unconditionally without regard to race or status, that disciples of Jesus should pursue justice and love mercy and walk humbly, then we will stand against racism and sexism and classism. We will stand against abortion. We will go and rescue people who are caught in sex trafficking. You understand? If discipling people is more effective by forming kids' ministries and student ministries, by forming small groups or fellowship events, then that's what we do. But listen, don't get it twisted. Don't get it backwards and don't make it complicated. The mission is to go and make disciples. To find, what, what does that even mean? To find unbelievers and make them into believers. To take believers and make them into disciples. And then don't miss this one because too many times we stop there. To take disciples and make them into disciple makers. So don't miss all three of those steps. It's not, it's not linear, it's circular. It's a, it's a process and it should repeat itself. So I'm pressing reset today press and reset because we can't forget the mission. I realized this week as I was having a conversation with somebody that if, if you just go back and listen to my communication from this pulpit over the last few months, 
not only in the messages that I preach, but, but in the things that I've had to communicate with you about. There's just been so much going on. There's just been so much happening, so much to do, so much to address, so many issues that it might have gotten lost. The message might have gotten lost. Yes, the Jericho Project is important. Yes, it is on my mind. Yes, it's taking my time and attention to bring it to pass. But listen, the Jericho Project is only important in the context of the Great Commission. If this isn't spiritual work, if this isn't a path to fulfilling the Great Commission, then it has to be done by some other organization. Because the church of Jesus Christ can't be distracted by any other things. We have a mission and we have to be on that mission. But listen, the Jericho Project is spiritual work. This is Jesus stuff. These women are hurting. They're dying. They're being abused and mistreated in unspeakable ways that normal people don't even think about. They can't even imagine. And, and many people, many churches don't have the stomach for or the grace for this work. I believe that with all my heart that God has called us to this, but I want us to reset our thinking about it today. We're not doing it just because it's good. We're not doing it just because we can. We aren't doing it just because we feel bad about the plight of these women and children. We're not doing it just to save their lives and change their situation. We're doing it to save their souls and change their eternity. It's to give them a chance to become disciples of Jesus because that's the call. That's the commission. There are other organizations that take women in and help to rehabilitate them and put them back out on the street, but there's not necessarily a discipleship piece. That's why we partnered with the House of Cherith because they share the mission of loving Jesus and loving these women, loving them to Jesus. You've heard the call over the last few weeks and months, volunteers for our kids' ministry, for our student ministry, for security ministry, for for every, every ministry in the church needs help. But let's don't forget why we're doing it. it. It's not to have something to do. We're making disciples. That's the mission of the church. See, kids' ministry is a specialized discipleship ministry designed to reach children on their level, present the gospel in ways that are understandable and age-appropriate, and create strong relationships between the students and between the kids and the adults so that they can continue to be discipled as they grow. It is a literal fulfillment of the Great Commission to make disciples. Student ministry is a specialized discipleship ministry designed to form relationships with the older students, with the 6th grade through 12th grade students who either need to know Jesus or they need to figure out how to live out their faith in a, in a very complicated and confusing and dangerous world in which they live. You understand what I'm saying? Do we need volunteers? Yes, but it's not to grow some man-made group. It's to fulfill the Great Commission. We're inviting people to join us in answering the call of God. 
You say, John, aren't you being a little dramatic? No. How do you over-dramatize eternity? When you consider that 80% of the people who will ever be saved are saved before the age of 18, then you understand the importance of and the impact of kids and student ministry on the Great Commission. Not just on the growth of the church, on the Great Commission. It's not about babysitting and entertaining children. You can literally change lives. You can change families for generations by investing in these ministries. And listen, I can do this all day. I can do this for every ministry of the church because every one of them ties back to and aligns with the Great Commission. And if I find one that doesn't align to the Great Commission, we're going to stop doing it. Because just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. Just because it's good doesn't mean we have to do it. Now, last fall, I preached a series uh, uh, called uh, a series about purpose. I don't remember what it was called, but it was a series about purpose. The Great Commission is and must always be the purpose of everything we do at Covenant Life. So, no matter what else has happened, no matter what what may have, we may have been distracted by, I'm just pressing reset today. Let's get our focus on what and why we're even here. The mission of the church to go and make disciples. Can you say amen to that? Now, while the mission of every church is unchangeable because we didn't establish it, we're just following the leader, the vision of the church is a unique expression of of both uh, who the church is and who the church wants to be. It's a statement about how they intend to fulfill the Great Commission. Our mission and vision statement uh, sort of flows together like this. Covenant Life Church will go and make disciples. That's the mission that Jesus gave us. How? By being real, relational, and reaching. Why? So that everyone can know Jesus, grow in their faith, and go boldly into their mission field. That's it. That's, That's what we're here for. That's what we're here for. If we're pressing reset, if we're returning everything to factory settings, let's remember how it is we carry out our mission here at Covenant Life. First of all, these three words, real, relational, and reaching. We've used those words for years. I'm thinking about seven, seven and a half years now to to both describe us, this is who I think we are, but also to to inspire us to greater things. We believe the best way to go and make disciples is for us to be real, relational, and reaching. We haven't talked about this from the pulpit in, in, in about three years. So why, why, are we, why are we trying to be real? Why real? Very, very simple answer to what seems to be a very simple question. Why real? Because everybody hates fake. Don't you? Everybody hates fake. But it seems like people in the world can spot a fake way faster than people in the church. Like, I don't know what's wrong with us while we slow, but people on the outside can sniff it out faster than people on the inside. Have you ever just wanted to take a church person and just shake them? Don't say amen yet. I ain't told you why. 
Some of y'all are aggressive today. You say, yes, I want to shake church people. Right? So you ever wanted to take a church person and just shake them and just say, will you just stop with all the religious stuff and just be like a human for a second? Just like normal people for a second. If, if you want someone to be interested in giving their lives to Jesus, if you want to talk to somebody about surrender, you want to talk to somebody about total life change, they don't want cute, they don't want cool, they don't want clever, they want real, real. Real life is hard. Real life is complicated. They want to they talk to somebody who's not going to try to gloss over their pain or gloss over their questions with some sort of coffee cup Christianity, some sort of religious cliche that you memorize from a day spring greeting card. Nobody wants that. Because listen, if Jesus only works in church life but not in real life, I'm out. I don't want anything to do with it. I'm not interested. And nobody else is either. The good news, though, is that the God of this Bible is the real God. He's the real God. The people that he used in the Bible were real people just like us. Flawed and fickle, hypocritical, and all too human too many times, but real nonetheless. And we have too many churches that are presenting a God that bears no resemblance to the God of this Bible. They, they present a God who's either too offended by the mess in our lives to, to be interested in changing us, or, or too intimidated to confront us in our sin, or too weak to change our lives. The real God is not weak, and he's not intimidated, and he's not tame, and he's not scared. He has real power to change our lives, but we have to take off the spiritual masks that we hide behind and get real. Because nothing significant happens in our lives until we get real. Real with ourselves, real with each other, and most importantly, real with God. That's why this has to be a place where we can come and be Real. So are you hurting? Come on in. Are you confused? Come right on in. Do you have doubts and questions and fears? You come right on in. Are you facing mountains that you can't even understand? You are in the right place. Are you just a hot, stinking mess? Then get on in here with the rest of us. We have a hot, stinking mess section. Starts at that wall, goes to that wall, and goes all the way back. Right? So leave the shame. Look at y'all running for the back. I'm not sitting in that section. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Leave the shame. Leave the condemnation. Leave the religious pretenses in front of your car when you come in. And then run over them as you leave. This is a place where real people with real problems can encounter a real God with real power to save your soul and to change your life. Real. And we also have to be a relational church. Why? Because we have to be kingdom-minded. Kingdom-minded. Now, what does that mean? Well, Jesus said, 
Quit looking around to see the kingdom. And then the next thing he said, some translations say because the kingdom of God is within you, and some translations say the kingdom of God is is among you. But either way, what Jesus couldn't seem to make religious people understand is that the kingdom of God, the kingdom that he came to establish, is first and foremost in the hearts and the minds of people. People. Here's here's what I tell the staff every chance I get. We're, We're in the people business. We're not in the ministry business. We're not in the preaching business. We're not in the singing business. We're not in the diaper changing or the, the, the teaching or the, or, or the outreach business. We're in the people business. We have to understand the power and the necessity of relationships to fulfill the Great Commission. If we don't get good at being relational, we'll fail at making disciples. Because discipleship uh, is, is a relational institution and disciples are people they're people so that's why we have fellowship events and small groups and and men's ministry and women's ministry all the ministries are predicated on the premise that we have to build relationships in order to get to discipleship because i can preach at people that i don't know and who don't know me but if you're truly going to get discipled that comes through relationship Fellowship and discipleship are both functions of relationship. You can't get one without the other. So we have to be real. We have to be relational. Now, what about reaching? Why reaching? Like, John, don't we have enough to do inside the church? Like, shouldn't we assume if they were the least bit interested in what we've got going on, that they'd come to us? No, we should not assume that. We should not assume that because, first of all, it's incorrect. Secondly, it's arrogant. And third, it's ignorant. How do people even know what we've got? How are they supposed to drive by our building and suddenly know what's available inside? How are they going to know that they're even welcome here? See, a lot of people don't go to church. And and 85% of the people in the county where you live are not in church this morning. 85%. Why? Because a lot of people, most people, don't go to church because they don't know how to do church. Or they don't know that they're welcome to come to church. Because church is an intimidating place to try to navigate alone. So most of them decide, I got enough stress in my life, I'm not going there. A lot of people don't know they're welcome in church because there have been a whole lot of church people who have gone out of their way to make sure they feel unwelcome when they're around them. We fuss at them about what they wear. We fuss at them about where they sit, where they park. You took my chair. You took my parking spot. You're wearing stuff I don't like. You, 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 I, all, everything we can think of in church to make people know If you don't look like me, act like me, vote like me, smell like me, dress like me, then I don't want you around. We have to be reaching. We have to make sure that they know that they're not going to find those people here. We did an outreach just a few years ago. A lady came to Valerie and said, 
my husband is black and I'm white. Is it okay if we come to your church? I said, my Lord, it's the 21st century. They have to ask that kind of question? And I promise you they ask that question because they've been turned out of churches in this county. Or they wouldn't have even thought about it. Same lady said, I don't really have a dress. Is it okay if I come to your church wearing blue jeans or wearing whatever it was she suggested? Valerie said, babe, you can come. You, it, it doesn't matter what you wear. Come just like you're dressed now. It doesn't matter how you dress. But I promise you she had to ask that question because she got turned out or made to feel some type of way by going to the last church she went to. We have to go out of our way to make up for the ridiculous people who have gone before us who claim the name of Jesus but do not have his love in their heart do not understand his word, and don't understand what it is we're supposed to be doing. They've forgotten the mission. So we have to go out of our way to make sure they know it's safe to come here. It's safe to be who you, it's safe to be real. It's safe to come in and build a relationship. We have to be reaching because Jesus said, go, not stay. So we can go to them and take Jesus with us. Or we can go and get them and bring them in with us. But either way, we have to be reaching. Because the reality is, hands down, the most effective way, the the best indicator that people are going to come back to your church is if they already know someone here or if very quickly they can make a relational connection with somebody. But we have to reach out to make that happen. What is probably the most famous um, image or analogy of Jesus on this earth? His ministry here. It's probably the good shepherd, right? And we've seen lots, you've seen lots of pictures like pasty white Jesus with all these pasty white sheep around him. And that's the good good shepherd, right? And what does a good shepherd do? He leaves the 99 in the fold together and does what? Goes to find the one lost sheep. Reaching is an action verb. The shepherd went wherever the sheep was, found it, picked it up, carried it on his back, back to the fold. Reaching is a labor-intensive word. It's, It's inconvenient. It's difficult. But it's necessary to rescue those who are lost. Because here's the reality. It's always been up to the lost... To, to the, it's always been up to the found to pursue the lost. It doesn't make sense any other way. Jesus said, he's the light of the world. But he said, when I go away, you're the light of the world. Now, what sense does it make for all the lights of the world to hang out together? Right? Our, our light is, is their hope. Jesus calls us to go into every dark corner of the world with the light of Jesus. Our our light is their hope because the Christ in us is their hope of glory. And if we don't carry that light, where will they find hope? So we have to be intentional about reaching out to the people who least expect your attention. So we're going to be real and relational 
and reaching so that everyone can know Jesus. Now, don't skip over that word, everyone. Jesus said go into all the earth, right? That's every tribe, tongue, and nation. That's everybody. We are called to make disciples of everybody. So that means we can't give any regard to race or, or to uh, class or to gender or to education or to age. We're called to love gay and straight, black and white, Republican and Democrat and libertarian. The, the whatever that is, I don't even know anyway. The, the college graduates and the functionally illiterate. The, there is not a person that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. There is not a situation that the love of Jesus cannot rescue them from. So when we start picking and choosing who deserves to hear about Jesus and who doesn't, then we might be closer to the flames of hell than the people that we've chosen to exclude. He said, whosoever will should come. And if we decide to change that invitation, then what we're offering is not the Jesus of the Bible. And if there's ever a time when somebody isn't welcome in this church to hear the gospel, we really do need to press the reset button. And we need to fall on our faces and repent. The rest of the vision statement is simply the process that Jesus referred to in the Great Commission. Go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey my commandments. It's these three steps, know, grow, and go, is what followers of Jesus should naturally do. But it's also the expectation of the people of this church. It is not enough for you just to know him. Do we want you to know him? Absolutely. But we don't just want you to know him. The more you know him, the more you should love him. And the more you love him, the, the more you'll want to know about him. And the more you know him and love him, the more you're going to want to serve his purposes and advance his kingdom, right? And you'll do that. You'll advance his kingdom. You'll serve his purposes by being real and relational and reaching. And when that cycle begins to happen, when it begins to reproduce itself, that's the vision of the church. That's when the vision is fulfilled. And not just the vision of the church. More importantly, that's when the great commission is fulfilled. And it becomes generational. So listen, I I know we know these things. I know we know them, but I'm not saying we've forgotten them. I'm just saying let's press the reset button. Let's clear everything out of the way. And let's not just remember, but let's talk about what it is we're doing and more importantly, why we're doing it. Because it's way bigger than covenant life. We are not building a church. We're building a kingdom. And it's not even our kingdom. It's his. It's God's kingdom. This is Jesus-level, eternity-changing stuff. So no matter matter what your job is, if if you want to make a difference in your life, and I haven't met a person who doesn't, if you want to make a difference in your life, you you want to find significance, you want to find meaning, you want to find purpose, it's found in the Great Commission. And you you are more than welcome to dive into one of the ministries here and start serving, to dive into one of the groups and start learning. You're you're more than welcome to know Jesus and to grow in your faith 
and to go boldly into your mission field. That's why we're here. That's what we have to do. So start letting your walls down and get real. This Americanized version of the strong, independent person that I'm just going to, yes, I love Jesus, but I'm going to love him all by myself. That's not biblical. Christianity has always been a team sport. It's, it's always done in community. It was conceived in and exists only in community. You're like, John, I'm watching online today. How, what am I supposed to do? You have to find ways to stay connected to community. You have to engage with other people. You're like People are inconvenient. People get on my nerves. I know. But it's the body. There's no, there's no plan B. It has to happen in community. So you have to get real. If, if, I let people, if I'm around people, they're going to see me for who I really am. Yes. So let the walls down and get real. Start coming like two minutes early or hang out for two minutes after I say amen and get to know people, get relational. Start inviting the worst people you know. <laughs> to come to church with you. Be reaching. Be reaching. So listen, if you've gotten lost in all the busyness, lost in all of the, maybe all of just the routine of what it is that you do, I just want to invite you today to press the reset button with me. Get back to mission. Get back to vision. Get back to purpose. Get back to what it is that Jesus saved us for and keeps us for and empowers us for. I think the answer to a powerless church, a church that's not having an impact, is to get back on purpose. Do you remember what Jesus said, the very first verse that we read today in verse 18, before he said, go into all the world, he said, all power in heaven and on earth is given to me. And because I have all power, you need to go into all the world, preach the gospel. Then what did he say in verse 20? He said, and remember, I'm with you always, everywhere you go. I've got all power. You've got a job to do, but I'm never going to leave you. I'm always going to give you the power that you need, but the key is to fulfill the purpose that he called to. Stand with me, please. John, what is the like? What's the point? What what is it you want? You're expecting out of this today? You want everybody just to run to the altar? No, I'd, I'd really rather we run out the door into the mission field with a consciousness, with an awareness of what it is that God's called us to do, with purpose in our hearts and in our minds, not just to know academically what the mission is, not even to be able to recite it. I'd really much rather we live it every day. Not just on Sundays, every day. Because the Great Commission is not just for the church as a body. It's for us as individuals. So I'm going to pray as we always do. I'm going to pray. This altar is open. You can come and pray about this. You can come and pray about anything that's going on. Because we know that real life is difficult. And sometimes we just need to throw ourselves on the, at the feet of the Lord and just say, I don't know what to do next. You're completely welcome to do that any way you want to. Let's pray together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would help us, that our ears, our spiritual ears and eyes would be open. 
we see and hear what it is that you've laid out in front of us and what you're speaking to us. Help us, Lord, to be uh, consumed by purpose, filled with your power, with your love, with your light. And help us, Lord, to boldly go into the world that you've planted us in. Lord, if you wanted us in Africa, you'd call us to Africa. You want us wherever it is around the world that we always are afraid you're going to call us. But God, help us to help us to just cross the street. Help us just to speak to the cashier across the register. Just be Jesus wherever we are. And leave the rest to you. Lord, I pray that you'd call every person this morning to this altar that you want to come people who have burdens, who have needs, that they want to come and lay at your feet. And I pray that every person that you call, Lord, that you would answer them here, you'd meet them here, and that you would provide the answer to their, uh, to their needs. We thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. Give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.